0: an American, a Canadian and a Brit walk into a bar. But this isn't a bad joke. This is Ladies of Valhalla. everyone and welcome to Ladies of Valhalla. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host today. This month we'll be talking about the Archie's comic character, Sabrina, and welcoming a very special guest. But first of all, please allow me to introduce my wonderful co-hosts. In alphabetical order, we have the Barballi of black and white photography, the Astoria of angry cats. <laughs> 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 sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm not used to having somebody sitting next to me at this point. <sighs> Amazing. A. Woo! <laughs> and sitting to the other literal side of me today is the Chelsea of Charlie, the Daenerys of Daxons, the Nefertiti of New York Comic Con. It's Miss Jessica Schaefer. Woo-hoo! The Nefertiti of New York Comic <laughs> Con. Yeah, yeah. It's, because you are the queen of the convention. Oh. Yeah, I got this. I love and it. And without further ado, I would like to welcome our very special guest today. The Kaylee of Captain Marvel, the hair of Hawkeye, the Lacey of Landsharks. Isn't this Kelly Thompson? <laughs>
1: <Woo>! <laughs> hey, ladies. Thanks for way? having me. Thank you very <laughs> Thank much you. for coming
0: on to talk to us. So, today we're going to be talking about Sabrina um, and... I want to preface this by saying that i didn't actually know sabrina came from comic books when i first encountered her because being british we didn't really have archie comics when i was growing up i didn't hmm. know archie was a thing i didn't really sort of encounter archie until it's probably almost riverdale to be honest but apparently it's like a giant cultural phenomenon on this side of the pond oh yeah archie's been around for a very long time very popular which i found very surprising
2: <laughs> um, <so> i <laughs>
0: I don't really get it, I'll be honest Um, My introduction to Sabrina was the Melissa Joan Hart TV show um, Which formed a very large part of my childhood growing up It was one of those shows that was on after school That you pretended to be doing your homework But actually you were watching the telly
2: Um,
0: So um, Kelly, if I can come to you first Obviously you are currently writing the Sabrina the Teenage Witch comic book series how did you first encounter the character of Sabrina?
1: I definitely found her first in the comics um, you know Archie comics were my first comics that I ever read um, because while while X-Men I tend to think of as my first comics in a way they were really just my first floppies and like that was my entrance to comic book stores and getting holds and superheroes and the, the becoming like a Wednesday warrior who picks up my books every week but when I was little it was the Archie Digest because you got them in the grocery store and so I didn't have to have access to a comic book store and I just knew I loved them and every time I was at the grocery store I would beg for new ones and some of those had Sabrina in them had Sabrina stories in them so that was my first introduction
0: awesome what about you Bronwyn being Canadian did you have Archie how did you find Sabrina
1: Honestly,
3: exactly the same as Kelly, <laughs> oddly enough. I, uh, I, X-Men was my considered my first comic book, but exactly the same. It was actually Archie, because um, we got them in, in the grocery store. And I remember my cousin, Gene, was obsessed with Archie comics and would always bring them with her when we were visiting. And she was a little bit older than me, so I, I got the... Castoffs,
2: offs <laughs> you know
3: <laughs> so you can get uh you can get hand-me-down clothes i got the hand-me-down archies right <laughs> so <laughs> i always had a huge collection of of the books that jeannie had already read and then we'd be standing in line in the grocery store and there'd be a new archie and i'd be like oh my god i gotta read this you know <laughs> <laughs> and usually i can read fast enough that i'd have that book done by the time we made it through the line <laughs>
2: Oh, I bet you were popular then. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's
3: okay, I I, uh, I always wanted to buy it anyway, because I am a re-reader. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I got a few glares, definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Archie was, uh, Archie was a big deal for me, and Sabrina was always my favorite. When So when we found a, a little pocket of Sabrina in an Archie comic, I was always super excited about that, because for all of it,
1: they were always the Archies. Yeah. Um, Archie was kind of boring. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Sabrina Sabrina was pretty special when you come on a Sabrina story, because even though I loved Betty and Veronica, and I thought they were amazing, there was, you know, there's a thing, I think, when you're a kid of you know, you just like a thing, whether it's problematic or not, and you're not aware of it. I mean, it was sort of the way, you know, I did that gem book and people would ask me all the time if I watched gem as a kid when it was a cartoon. And I was like, yeah, and I loved it because it was different than everything else that was on TV. But there's also this thing that, you know, you don't, you know, I didn't realize at the time that I was probably responding to the fact that Sabrina, didn't revolve around Archie like that was everything you know Betty and Veronica they had their own relationship and they developed it but it always spun around Archie always Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Sabrina didn't have that I mean she had love interests and there was all that stuff but she had her sort of own power and her own sort of story and so I don't think I was aware of it as a kid that I was responding to that but I did always really like Sabrina and I think that was part of why it was because she had her own narrative that wasn't sort of controlled by Archie
3: that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel very seen right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were feminists before we knew what feminism. Was. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think you respond to that stuff on, uh, on like a like a really organic, like natural level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, which you're not even you can't even name it yet, but you still know that it speaks to you or doesn't, right?
4: Yeah, 100%. -hmm. What about you, Jess? How did you first find Sabrina? For me, it was a TV show. Um, I first, I remember, and I only watched the TV show because when I was a kid, I watched Nickelodeon constantly, and Melissa Joan Hart was on a show called Clarissa Explains It All. Yes. Okay? And I remember her then going to be, and I was like, I have to watch this, (laughs) because I loved her as that character. And, like, she, it was kind of, like, almost... Uh, you know, it's the same kind of deal. It was a little different. You know, she was a little grown up at this point. But yeah, that's where I. But like, I always knew about Archie. Like, I always knew she was a comic. I just never really had access to them. So, but I, you know, like, you kind of growing up, like, I, like you said, you didn't know, like, growing up in America, like, you knew Archie was a comic. You knew who Betty and Veronica were. Like, you just knew these characters, even if you didn't read the comic book. Like, there were other things. Like, they were kind of like, just known. I don't know. You just just knew who they were. Yeah, they're a
3: bit ubiquitous, right? Like they're everywhere.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like kind of everywhere. So you just knew them, and um, yeah. So, but it was for me. It was the television show, and I watched that show. I, I, you know, like all the time. That was if it was on, it was you know, hands underneath the chin, like staring at the television, you know, um, that's that's the way I watch that show, and I loved it, and I still, I, you know, I haven't seen it, I kind of want, like, do they sell that, can you buy it, um, like, can, can we get that streaming
0: somewhere? I I would suggest maybe you don't go back and watch it. I know,
4: it's probably terrible, yeah. but, you know.
0: Um, I, would, uh, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was talking to... Bella, who is now 16, she was asking if she was allowed to watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I said, well, it's maybe a little bit grown up for you. And then they were doing reruns of Sabrina the Teenage Witch on the TV at home, and we started watching it, and it has not held up as well as I wanted it to. Oh, um, no. Yeah, it kind of suffers from that 90s thing of making jokes yeah. about things that we no longer make jokes about. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah.
1: Really, really aggressive laugh track. Like, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold up um, at all, um, unfortunately.
0: yeah, uh, You know, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially the later seasons where she's, like, living in the house with the two friends. And it just, yeah, it all just gets a bit awkward. Um, oh no (laughs) yeah unfortunately but we do now have the chilling adventures of sabrina and i absolutely adore the sabrina in in that series so uh, that's fine i can i can leave the other sabrina in my childhood Um, yes so rose colored colored glasses and all (laughs) out of um, the question i wrote down was actually about harvey but i'm gonna ask this about sabrina as well out of all of the different versions of sabrina and of harvey so the original tv show chilling adventures the current comic um bronwyn who are your favorite portrayals out of those both of harvey and sabrina
3: Ooh, um well okay so i gotta be honest right up front i'm not a huge harvey fan like 100 <laughs> percent. i know i know i'm sorry it's not that so okay right, off the top harvey the new comic that's my favorite.
1: Yep. Thank you.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. Because <laughs> I, I have hope for him with this one. He seems yeah. kind of nice. He came out. And, um, okay, spoiler alert. Can we can we put the spoiler alert in here? Spoiler alert. Thank um, <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, anyway, you. I appreciate do that. It.
3: Just before I say anything, because I'm about to go oh, right to that last comic. <laughs> um, you know, when he comes back and apologizes to her, uh, unprompted and without, you know, just... That that was a moment where I was like, okay, okay. I'm starting to see the appeal. <laughs> <laughs> and like up until that point, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's Harvey. You know, mm. I don't understand. I've never understood. I, I just don't. I, I don't know why that I don't get this general sort of ethos of Harvey that everybody seems to love. But at that moment, I was like, okay, finally, the light is starting to dawn for me. He's a, <laughs> he's a decent guy. All right, I got it. Okay, so yes, 100% comic book harvey for me um sabrina oh it's that's a toss-up between comic and the chilling adventures because i'm really digging the chilling adventures of her too like that that's a fun sabrina for me mm. i like it she's a bit flawed she's a bit fun the, that that I, I was not prepared for that question so i'm gonna have to go with a tie on that one uh, uh, <laughs>
0: yeah Thanks, <Sarah. laughs> If you could have seen the death stare that Jess just gave me when I asked that. Um, I have seven pages of notes, and I'm dead from Comic-Con, okay? Like, let's get the Sabrina part of that question, then. Um,
3: uh, I love it. You're making them up on the fly, and you're going to get dead
4: by the end of oh the Oh, my God, she's dead. Yeah, you're staying here for another two days? Oh. Mm. Am I going Am I? you? Are you? Um, so Katie, yeah,
3: I, that's a, that's a solid tie for me. Harvey, one hundred percent comic though.
0: Awesome. Um, so, Katie, you're probably going to be slightly biased on this one. Too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm totally <laughs> biased. Um, I I will say that um, I I'm I'm sort of with you on the the Harvey of it all. Like, I think there's um, without sh- throwing shade on all Sabrina things, I think there's almost a laziness. the the way the Harvey character is approached sometimes, of like, oh, well that's the guy, that's the boyfriend, that's the one we're supposed, that she's supposed to be with, and so there's like, there's not a lot of thought that goes into is he the right one? Because, you know, Harvey's a representative of the mortal life, right? And that's Mm -hmm. what he's there to stand in for, so sometimes I think he doesn't get as fleshed out as he needs to be. There's not enough and especially when he gets thrown into a love triangle and we get this you know and it's very much true in our book as well you know Ren initially not so much but it's going to become even more prevalent in the second series you know represents a life that's a little more honest and open about who Sabrina is and Harvey is very much this mortal life um, where she loves the almost the banality of it, right? Of this, the the way mortals live, but there's a lie there for her, which is uncomfortable, right? Mm. So, but I do think that Harvey sometimes gets whittled down to being a stand-in for that thing instead of the character actually getting to be a character. Um, certainly we didn't have enough time with him in the first five issues mm. to flesh him out as much as I'd like, but it was really important to me, especially to put that last scene in there to show that he is worthy of being part of that love triangle and how we can see what appeals to Sabrina about him.
2: Mm.
1: So uh, I'm definitely biased, but I mean, the comic, (laughs) all all, my comic, all all of it, (laughs) (laughs) all the answers.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I legit wrote that in my notes, though. Like, that was actually what I said, was that Harvey feels like he's there as a part of Sabrina's character development, as opposed to actually a character for Mm. himself. Like, in almost every portrayal I've come across of Harvey. Like, not... You know, so that's why he he doesn't really stand out to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. agree. But that's because... You can't have a female character if they don't have a boyfriend, because then they're not real.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, though, like, on the one side of that, yes, that's absolutely true, but on the other side of this, I think of it kind of almost like reverse fridging. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, Harvey's set up as part of her development, as opposed to,
2: Mm, you know, her being set up
3: as somebody else's development, which is it almost refreshing <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
4: but he could still be more than a wet blanket
3: i mean yeah it, and I, like, that w- you know and i feel like there's definitely room for that in this comic which is great yeah. um as i said like that that last scene really that was like a wake up for me that was like a
2: oh finally you know <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah 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 but yeah i just uh you know, i've never 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 got him
0: yeah, I, I must admit, when I used to watch the TV show, I used to think that Harvey was great. He had that whole, like, boy-next-door thing, and he was dreamy, and, you know, young teen me thought he was great, <laughs> and then I went back and watched the show and was like, oh, honey. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going back to watch this now, because I still, I still think he was, you know... I
4: just remember him being a bit dim,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they made yeah, him, like, quite
4: quite dim in the show, I remember that. yeah. So, so, can I
0: take it that he wasn't your favorite? No,
4: no, he wasn't. He was, and like I said, wet blanket Harvey isn't really my fave. Um, I like uh, the current comic iteration of him. Thank you very much for making him a little bit more than a wet blanket. Um, <laughs> Even in the show, like he's just kind of like, Sabrina, um,
2: you know. Um,
4: <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, that's not that uh, for me. Uh, I do like Chilling Adventures, Sabrina. I like her Sabrina in the comic book. I, I think. Again, because Sabrina was written as the main character, she stands a little bit yes. better than, than Harvey does.
0: <laughs> Poor Harvey. Um, so something that I always ask, whenever there's any kind of love triangle or sort of two opposing romantic figures, I always ask the question, so Jess, I'm going to come to you first on this one. In the comics, Harvey or Wren, And in the TV show, Harvey or Nick? So I'm going to give you this answer
4: I give you every single time you ask me this question. question, question. And I'm going to say a little bit of both because I'm just like, I can't ever pick one. But I will say in the show, um, I can't, I forgot to write down his name. The the gentleman that plays Nick. Mm. Yes. um, He is quite (laughs) lovely. uh, And I do like his character in the show, too. so, So maybe both in the comics and Nick in the show, however. So is that, that a just, sufficient answer for you? Is that a little bit better than my both? I think
0: that's the first I, time you've ever actually answered one of those questions. So but because I can
4: find <laughs> qualities. I can find pros and cons <laughs> in, in both. That's always my problem. And I think you're supposed to. You know, you're meant to. This is supposed to be mm. a little bit of a conflict. So you're supposed to be a little torn by the decision of uh, Harvey or Ren or Harvey or Nick. Mm.
0: So, I mean, if
4: that's the case, I think they're doing it right
0: if I have to pick both. That is true I, yeah Um. the actor's name is gavin leatherwood oh. and there is a particularly nice picture of him in a tuxedo on his IMDB page <laughs> Yes. if anybody wanted to check him out it's very lovely um, <laughs> <laughs> so kelly I, I will let you pass on the in the comics question because obviously you you are going to not be able to give us your bias that might give things away
1: um can i tell you that when i When I try it though, I try not to have any bias, and when I, and that seems crazy, but I always think of, did you guys watch Felicity? Oh, yes. Yes. So, the thing that was great about Felicity when I first saw it, when I was a young whippersnapper, was (laughs) they were both great choices. Mm -hmm. Like,
2: yeah. There wasn't yeah. a
1: bad guy. There wasn't a there wasn't a Oh, she should definitely pick this guy cuz this guy is a piece of crap. There was none of that. It was these are really good guys. And I was like, why doesn't why don't we see that more often because that's the real torture is we want her with both of them and you yeah. can't have that. Mm-hmm. And so, I never whenever I'm doing any kind of love triangle stuff, I always try to make sure they're both really good options like there's not a wrong choice here these are good people and you're maybe in love with both of them in different ways it's not like one's an evil mustache trolling villain and one's a great guy that you should be with because where are the stakes in that right so I mean I want Harvey and Ren to both be good options for her Um, we're going to get to see a lot more of that in the second volume because you know now that we've established who these characters are we can take a little bit more time to sort of dig into that Mm -hmm. Um, nick for me for sure in the show <laughs> <laughs> no
0: question <laughs> <laughs> we're on the same page um, yeah <laughs> are you going to make it 3 for 3
2: oh
3: i mean i don't think there's any question here <laughs> <laughs> uh, like my notes actually say hard nick like <laughs> hard nick. yeah i mean
1: like i don't want to i don't want to rip on the show because the show does a lot of things right um But that, to me, is a failure there. The fact that we're all hard for Nick is, Mm -hmm. to me, uh, that they've they've, they've made a mistake somewhere in the casting or the writing of the character or the development. Like, they've screwed something up a little bit if we're all going hard for Nick. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's a mistake. And maybe they can figure out a way to write that. We'll see. I'm not up to date, by the way, I should tell you that. I stopped watching because I didn't want it to start having too much influence to what I was doing. So I've only watched, like, most of the first season, I think. So just just FYI.
3: <laughs> okay, so no spoilers for you.
0: <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, spoilers, nah. I, think, I think I managed to keep it fairly spoiler-free. Um, I um, think... With with the Harvey or Nick the Netflix, Netflix show, I think the thing it boils down to for me is that Harvey comes across as being very young and that Nick comes across as being mm. much more grown up and more of a man. And I think from what I've seen of the show, they've kind of tried to play that juxtaposition of does Sabrina want to stay a young person who's immortal or does she want to be this sort of very grown up, mature person? And that's almost kind of how they've played the two off. But it does mean that Harvey comes across as very boyish and um, a bit immature for me, whereas Nick doesn't.
1: And that's also, again, I mean, again, I don't want to rip on the show, but I think that's a mistake, because even if there's appeal in youth and adolescence and not knowing things, right, and the Mm. innocence of all of that, ultimately, that not what you're ever going to like you have to grow up like that's part of it so yeah. i feel like the stakes in that are a little paired back from what they should be you know mm. yeah
0: but so if we stick yeah. with chilling adventures for, for a little bit with with the tv show um tonally it's for a much older audience um th- that is not a family-friendly show i'm just going to throw that one out there if can <laughs> Yeah. It, <laughs> sure who has younger teens in the in the house? Um, maybe don't let them watch it. It gets a, a little bit, little bit dark. eighteen rated. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, dark, definitely dark. And I obviously I grew up with a nineties TV show, um, and to have that very very different tone. Um, it actually took me a couple of episodes to get into it because I was like, "This isn't what I was expecting from a Sabrina show." I heard that Sabrina was coming back, and I was like, oh, it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> <laughs> talking cats and rainbows."
2: <laughs> I was I was different
0: after track. talking cats and rainbows, and I very much did not get talking cats and rainbows. No, no. Um, Bronwyn, did did you find that different, sort of jarring or confusing, or did you just did you just go straight into it?
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i did find it jarring but i loved it um yeah I I, I I also watched the show although i don't think quite as much as you guys i was a little bit older than you so it uh it wasn't quite aimed at me and uh as far as the tonal difference i just i it just I don't know, it went right into my brain and sat there and was just like, yep, this is what we want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so had, had none of you guys read the Chilling Adventures comic that I had. this was spun out
4: of? Oh okay. Yeah, no, I had. That, uh, if I was going to go next, I had, I did know, and actually I knew because of Bob hmm. from the main podcast, <laughs> because when I was working, he, was, he picks up the Chilling Adventures whenever they decide to come out. Okay, because and, I also want to say they uh, yeah. come out sporadically and mm-hmm. have been going on since I think I had it down. Um they came out since two thousand fourteen, I think, and it's still ongoing. Yes. But you get like <laughs>
1: Like one, but they me. haven't had an issue for like two years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like something like
4: and that. I was just
1: gonna say it was like it's yeah. because of. I mean, it's it's strictly because of the show because it's written by the same guy who does the show and yeah. it's hard to do those things yeah. at the same time. And yeah. listen, at, you know, because we talked about that a lot when I was yeah. gonna do the comic because that 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 dark take that chilling adventures is really beloved and rightly so. It's yeah. really cool. It's very dark. Um, I mean like the whole cannibal thing, like all of that, it's really dark. So, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, how do we stay away from that? Because we don't want to step on that thing that they still want to finish and that people are very attached to, but they still want a Sabrina book coming out. That's like a different thing. And so there was a lot of talk about that, um, and how to make that work. And I know that they have every intention of finishing that book up.
4: That's good to
1: hear. Um, <laughs> I'm I just, happy to hear that. I just, I just think it's dependent on, um, you know, uh, Aguirre Sacasa. You, you know, he's yeah. really busy. So, yeah. yeah. So,
3: yeah.
4: yeah my I husband did, yeah. Steve
1: picks up that book too, but um,
3: mm. I haven't read it yet. I, I often wait until read things are sort of finished to read them so that I can kind of especially if Steve's already picking them up cuz then I don't need to kind of worry about not purchasing them individually you know oh, yeah, right right yeah. because we know we are doing that and I can still wait to read them yeah <laughs> so yeah. um just cuz I like to read in one big chunk cuz I do read so fast and I, my brain likes to get engaged in things so um but uh yeah so I, I I'd had a little bit of warning from Steve in terms of this is going to be not what you're expecting but not the full
4: You're, you should probably be expecting Cthulhu, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, once I saw the chilling, once it said the chilling adventures of Sabrina, I really knew it. I was like, oh, this is going to be dark, Sabrina. This is going to be like, you know crazy crazy stuff happening uh i'm gonna be blood and guts you know dark serena so. so there for it <laughs> yeah, and I, exactly yeah. i was 110 there for it <laughs> like you had to see me like watching the first couple episodes i was like sitting on my couch like a child again
0: like i watched the first one only as an adult now <laughs> Like yeah you know so yeah. yeah 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 again because we never really had the archie comics i didn't pick up the comic because mm. i was like well I don't really know who the characters are. I think I read. There was a Jughead one? Yeah. That was Mm -hmm. like a a horror one. And I think I read the first issue of that. And because I just didn't know who any of the characters were, it just didn't really make any sense to me. So I didn't carry on picking up. Well, there's like
4: a whole set of horror Archie comics. Mm. And it's printed. They have a different imprint called Archie Horror. And then there's Archie Comics. So these are. This is on that imprint. Mm. Um, So that's probably why you're reading a Jughead. There's a regular Jughead as well. There's one yeah. where he's not hard.
0: But, mm. again, yeah, it's, it's a character that just completely bypassed me. So I read it and I was like, do you really understand what's happening here? I don't think I'm going to carry on. So it, which is probably why Chilling Adventures confused me, because I hadn't <laughs> read the book. <laughs> I
3: remember having conversations with you when you were trying to watch that first season, and you were just like, so, wait, um, what? Yeah, you're like, "What?" Is I'm just happening? talking to you. <laughs> It was very entertaining for me to to kind of watch you watch this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting what you got.
2: Um,
0: it gets quite raunchy at times. It does, to be honest. It's, yeah, that that was not Melissa Joan Hart. No, <laughs> no, it's not, not so much. No. <laughs> so obviously, Sabrina has these kind of two sides of her life, um, and she has two sets of friends, kind of, and two schools that she goes to. Um, so if you had to go to one of those two schools, if you had to go to Baxter to High with the jocks and the bullies, or you had to go to the Academy of Unseen Arts with Father Blackwood and the Weird Sisters, I'm going to go to you, Jess, as the casual goth. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs>
4: I am not going to Baxter High. I am going to the Academy of Unseen Arts. I want to learn spells. I want to um, hail Satan. I, I don't really <laughs> worship. I just want to put that disclaimer out. I, I do not support or not. I do not support or not support any religions. Okay, like, um, but yeah, I would want to be a witch and I would want to go there and I would like to look like one of the weird sisters and have their beautiful makeup that they get every episode. And mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Hard same. Hard same. <laughs> I mean, father Blackwood can suck it, but oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he can so. <laughs> yeah, weird sisters are pretty awesome and I have absolutely no desire to go back to high school. So
1: yeah that's, arts though. that's the thing with me is like uh even if i was interested in baxter high i basically already did that that was my high school so <laughs> i would definitely go for the academy of unseen arts right yeah.
3: at least it'd be different yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm,
0: I'm not sure that i could deal with father backwards and, and <laughs> i'm gonna be honest they are um they, they are not nice people
3: no, but think about it though. We could be at the Academy of Unseen Arts. We could have the Trifecta Force. We would be we could the weird We could absolutely <laughs> force Father Blackwood
4: to suck it. Like. <laughs> oh yeah, and one we explain, Kelly. Um, when we talk about the three of us together, we call it the Trifecta Force. So if you're wondering what that was,
0: <laughs> that it would I, change things. <laughs> That's our superpower once we combine. Yeah. <laughs> The the first time we were ever actually all in the same place at the same time, we walked into a supermarket in Canada and it broke. (laughs)
3: Like, legit, the power went out for the whole, like, for, like, a whole city block, like, many city blocks.
1: That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) We looked
3: at each other more like, we did
0: this, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Is is high school in America this terrible? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: Let's just move on. I mean, I it, I think for me, it was pretty non, any, it was pretty, it was almost like a blank space. Like nobody was torturing me, but I wasn't having a great time either. It was pretty like boring and uneventful, which hmm. is not how your teen years should be. I mean, I, I'm glad I wasn't tortured, but um, it's just, that's a time to like be having experiences. But but I think that the reason that you a lot of people end up having a sort of non-experience is because it is sort of horrible around you, and so you do just want to keep your head down and, like, get through it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I survived that. And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have lived, you know. But, hmm. no, I just wanted to get out alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm seeing why so many American shows and things are set in high school, because it just sounds... Awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. It's
1: pretty yeah. bad. I'm reading this here. I didn't realize Michelle Rodriguez was on the show. Now that is pretty exciting. I have a big crush on her, going way back.
2: Oh, we have
0: large crushes on her.
3: glorious!
0: Oh. <laughs> I must say that a lot of the casting in the show is absolutely brilliant. So we just mentioned Fog Blackwood. The actor that plays him, yeah. Richard Coyle. I know him from like British sitcoms, British TV shows, stuff like Coupling that he was in and he was in um, some Terry Pratchett adaptations. He went, he was Mm. in Going Postal. Um, So to me, he's a comedy actor. And then to see him playing the part of Father Blackwood where he is this incredibly menacing, Evil character with these like creepy long nails, and he always carries a slightly worrying looking stick with him. the The casting <laughs> is absolutely brilliant. Worrying um, oh, stick. It, it, it looks like he's just going to beat some child. Like, oh, but like, I just love the 2 worrying worrying. Sarah, um, I love you. Yeah. So M- R- Michelle Rodriguez is in it. She she plays this. Um, she plays a very sort of prim and proper school teacher who then isn't a very prim and proper school teacher and she absolutely flourishes in the role um as as the second season goes on Uh, she steals every single scene she's amazing Um, and if i had to pick my favorite actor slash character from the show it would be her um because i do have the biggest crush on her and they give her these absolutely glorious like Almost Victorian-style gowns that she kind of sashays about in, and then when she's in the school, she's in all sort of little tight pencil skirts and stilettos, and and being that um that very cliched image of the teacher that all the teenage boys wanted to. Yes. Um, <laughs> 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 um. So Jess, I know that we were we were watching some of the yeah. episodes the other week, and every time a character appeared on screen, you were like, no, they're my favourite. No, I my, yeah, I have a hard time with this because like. You know, like you said, Michelle Rodriguez,
4: amazing. She's amazing in the show. Like, she's, like, breathtaking, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, Lucy Davis as Anne Hilda is so oh, freaking oh. perfect all the time. And I absolutely adore her. I adore the way she plays the character. Um, I, it, it's, like, almost perfection for me. Um, but yeah, she's, she's brilliant. Um, the, uh, I forgot who plays Anne, I forgot to, uh, and zelda as well is, it is yeah is amazing um can right we talk side. about proof. yeah uh chance per, what you call it uh, I, I just got lost
0: sorry ambrose. yeah yeah ambrose oh yes
4: he's yeah. beautiful to look at mm-hmm. like really yes, he he's very nice to watch like <laughs> so you know so yeah i have a hard time with it because they're there, There's um, so many really great actors and actresses. I really think the the supporting cast, like, you know, kind of seals it a little bit. You know, <laughs> like, we're all naming here. We're not, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the young girl that plays Sabrina, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, she is very good at what she does. She is not bad by any means. They are not bad, at, but, like, the supporting cast is really mm-hmm. phenomenal in that show.
0: So, the answer there is you're not going to
4: pick a favorite. No. Okay. No, I'm not. Okay.
0: From
4: you a... can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jess is so paralyzed by choices. <laughs> I am paralyzed by choices, okay? I can't handle it. Stop making me choose. <laughs>
3: um, oh, okay, so for me, obviously, Miss Wardwell is like 100% number one. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez is crushworthy and so intense and charismatic, and I love her and everything.
1: I just have to say, I was oh, very confused because I've never seen anything of Michelle Rodriguez in this. She's not it's Michelle, Michelle
0: She's Michelle it's Gomez. It's Michelle Gomez. 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this, this is me getting my notes completely wrong. Michelle Gomez, not Michelle Thank Rodriguez. You. Sorry. Okay. That was, yeah, that's
1: was, okay. Oh, she, so I, she was phenomenal. Um, in the the first half of the season that I watched or whatever, she was incredible. Although I do think I go for Ambrose for me.
3: Yes, Ambrose is fabulous. I think my second favorite though I have to say is Pr- the girl who plays Prudence Blackwood. They, like she's the ultimate mean girl, but I love her because she's she beautifully portrays strength and vulnerability together without ever compromising either one, and that's a tough combo, you know. Like she she never ever kind of comes off as anything less than this like a eh, top echelon mean girl and yet she she does effortlessly show her vulnerability in terms of like um her her daddy issues she has epic daddy issues i mean who doesn't have epic daddy issues in this show but you know that she does <laughs> you know but also you know in in terms of like her loyalty issues with her sisters and and also then you know with um um, uh, Sabrina herself, and and you know, with the witching community, and with all sorts of things like that. Like so, at heart, she's still a teenage girl, mm. you know, and and she has those sort of self esteem issues and and things that are associated with being a teenage girl. And you could you do get to see that around the rough edges, you know, <laughs> and and that's an incredible portrayal for me. So
0: mm.
3: I love Prudence. I think she's very nuanced in a way that a lot of mean girls aren't.
0: Mm. What about you kelly from what you've seen did you have a favorite not michelle rodriguez obviously because that's me getting <laughs> oh, gosh, completely wrong oh
3: gosh i'm the worst with names too i didn't even notice <laughs> yeah i feel um, terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah go uh ambrose for me i think
4: mm. he's he is very good he's spectacular
0: he does mm. very well um Sort of showing that kind of conflict that he's got Between the fact that he wants to be out there In the world making things right And I don't want to give too much away Because you, you do kind of find out later on In the series why it is he has to stay there And what it is that he's done But he really does portray that kind of difficulty Between I want to go out and help people And make things right and atone for what I've done But at the same time What I did was right at the time of doing it um, And he's so beautiful mm <laughs> he really is he really
4: is beautiful like
0: I'm just like please just
4: please be naked like be naked in every episode <laughs> <laughs> terrible I know it's terrible but I really um... shocking. <laughs> shocking I don't think
3: there's anything terrible about that
0: yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that, that Ambrose particularly does well is the um, sort of the fashion so he he kind of switches between this sort of flouncing around the house in like flowing kimono type things and then having this very 1960s mod look Um, and the fashion and the styling of the show is often very vintage, very retro you get people in this kind of Victoriana look you get people who are very 1960s but obviously they've got modern technology and they've got modern sensibilities and I found it really hard to work out when it was supposed to be set um, because clearly it has to be set in some kind of realistic timeline with the witches and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bronwyn, where, would would you be able to kind of put a date on where you think it fits, or is that an impossible question? Uh, I don't know that it's impossible, but it's certainly not
3: something that really um, kind of came up when I was watching it. Uh, I didn't think, oh, I wonder when this is happening. It felt very current for me, mm. even despite the kind mm. of vintage look. So I... Uh, I guess I would place it kind of now-ish. Mm. You know, I find that a lot of shows, especially kind of the more fantastical type things that, you know, you don't see the constant obsession with phones and things like that because they can be pretty difficult for plotting purposes. Right. Yes. And so I expect to not see that. And especially, I mean, if you have magic, maybe a cell phone is not as exciting and critical,
2: <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs>
3: So you know I, 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 that didn't throw me out of the concept of it being current. so despite the the sort of vintage look, which to me felt like a sort of a throw to the original comics maybe
4: mm.
3: um, it did it did feel pretty nowish to me. yeah
4: what about I you, Jeff? So I read that question wrong and I thought you meant where were you dating the fashion? Um of it and I, I thought like so but yeah I think it's current I think that the, the show is supposed to take place current day mm-hmm. or maybe if you don't see cell phones maybe you know a little before cell phones came about um, but I don't think anything less than that because they're at the comic book store you know they mean mm-hmm. like there's still like kind of like these current things happening and, and going on that, that don't seem like they're too far off you know mm-hmm. um, but I think um, well I've also okay I, I would like to say that I've read stuff about the designer who the, the you know who designed all the costumes for this before mm. and it's definitely supposed to have a 60s flair um some like quotes for him were uh, he, like, on Ambrose, he very much meant him to be a Jimi Hendrix clone. Mm. Um, sexy, sharp, with a, you know, mix of styles and textures, uh, ruffled shirts and velvet smoking jackets. That was, like, his, his view for, for Ambrose. So, like, all of the outfits, um, are kind of 60s inspired. Mm-hmm. Or, or Victorian. They're, they're either that or that. Um, like, he also said, like, Miss Warwell is a 1960s librarian sex bomb why you know that's what his vision um was so so you know so i i had previous Mm. looked at this because i well i looked up actually the makeup artist i would like to note that too on that show is absolutely phenomenal and Mm -hmm. like i had gone i was like who is designing and doing this right now and yeah so i think because i really think like the art direction the 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 makeup the everything the makeup Mm. the hair oh my god um whatchamacallit prudence's finger waves in that show are like impeccable and i'm like how like how <laughs> every single time they're spectacular yeah they're fabulous so so yeah so that's what i thought that you meant was that mm-hmm. you so i dated like in the, the 60s um all the outfits you know, from even from Aunt Zelda with the way, you know, her fitted like lady suits that she mm. has and her cigarette holder, which I absolutely adore, by the way, her and her cigarette holder. I'm oh my, like, no, I am like, Oh, see, that's another thing too, where it may take a little back because she is smoking a cigarette. Mm. I find that I, I actually found that very strange mm. that they would have her smoking.
0: Yeah. yeah. You already do not see that these days. No. Um, Kelly, a question for you as a writer. Do you find modern technology to make writing more difficult? So as Bronwyn just said, you know, if if everybody had a cell phone, it would make the show a lot less interesting because they wouldn't need to be asking all the questions and going on the adventures because they could just look it up online. Is that something that you come up against as a writer? Sorry to just throw a random question out.
1: Um, It can can get in your way. Um, You know, a lot of... I mean, if you think of, like, old soap operas, like, there are so many plot lines that would just be instantly solved today because they'd be like, oh, I'll just call them on their cell. Like, mm. what do you mean they're trapped on a boat? Okay, I'll just get them. And like, but then, you know, so now that plot doesn't work. So there are ways it gets in your way, but but I think, you know, I'm I'm not so old that, you know, that I remember a long life without cell phones or anything. So I think it becomes such an ubiquitous part of everyone's life that you just learn to plot around it. I think the thing that is a little tricky and I think it's very true in comics, TV and film is that unless you can find a tricky way to integrate them, it can be a boring thing to have to look at. Like Mm. you don't want your character looking at their phone although, like unless you can find a way to cleverly integrate it into the narrative uh, it can be a pain yeah. and it's also a pain to ask artists to do it by the way where you're like inserting a screenshot of a thing into your script because you're like it needs to sort of look like this so that it you know yeah. reasonably looks like a text message exchange because sometimes I find artists aren't super into that and I get it like who wants to faithfully recreate the way of tv screen like you know <laughs> looks like it's not a great time um so i mean i think that's a little bit we've used it we used it a little bit in hawkeye we use it a little bit in sabrina we used it a little bit in nancy drew um you know i do think if you're going to set it clearly modern um it's it's something you do have to think about because you can't just completely ignore it um so I don't know, you know, because I, have, I haven't I have seen as much as you guys of Chilling, so I can't speak to it really, but from what I saw, I was assuming it was modern um, and sort of current, and I assumed the sort of retro styling stuff, which I really liked, was really just sort of a callback to the Chilling Adventure series, which clearly feels vintage. Like, mm. that does not yeah. feel modern. That feels 60s-ish. Yeah. Um, so I assumed that the some of the styling stuff that we all seem to really like, but that makes it a little confusing. I assumed it was a callback to the to the comic, but it is a little tricky. Did you guys see the horror movie It Follows? Okay, oh. so I can't watch horror
4: movies because oh, I'm Jesus. a massive woman. <laughs> Here we go with the <laughs> <laughs> fun. Let's take a fun little detour. I made Sarah walk. I run a haunted house. For Halloween Ooh, with, uh, wow. for our local fire department. I made her walk through it the other day. Yes, yeah, she did. I cried <laughs> watching her walk through it. I, like, pissing uh, my uh, pants, uh, laughing. I do have video, by the way. That will be a sneak yeah. peek. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, end of detour. Really funny to watch that I scream.
0: I actually screamed more than the three 16-year-old girls that went through before us. Um, and... <laughs> All of my feminist sensibilities went out the window, and I made Jess's husband go in front of me so that everything would jump out at him instead of me. <laughs> that's, and what did he say to you, Dan? It's like, What
4: happened if that's what we got out? And he's like, What happened to being a feminist? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> You're like, Part of feminism is being smart, like pushing you in front of me to take all the hits, man. <laughs> Like when you're being
3: chased by a bear, you don't have to run faster than everybody, just faster than one person. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so that's well, so anyway, I won't I won't dwell on it. Follows, but um, it's got a very weird time placement. It's really hard to figure out. Everything looks sort of retro, but there's a, there's elements about it that feel completely current. And, like, there's a – and there are these very specific things that they draw attention to, like, this girl is playing a game like she is playing a game on her phone, but it's clearly not on her phone. Like, it's a little game. It almost looks like a – every time I see it, it almost looks like an old-school birth control pack, like those round ones. Oh. (laughs) What is she doing? And so, like, they're making these very specific nods to it's not exactly right now, and it's not exactly – 1960. And we're not saying what it is. And I sort of like that. I mean, there's part of me that wants to be able to pin it down. But maybe comics and and the continuity of comics has has broken my brain enough that I sort of just like it when things are interesting. And I care less about whether I can pin it down to a specific thing. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe it's an alternate reality. Maybe it's a you know, I just sort of like that stuff now.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So, sticking with my having thrown my feminism out the window, yeah. <laughs> um, one, thing, one thing that I absolutely love about the TV show is that it is unashamedly feminist. Oh, my God, yeah. Having not read the comics, I don't know if that's a reflection of the source material or if it's a response to the way that the world was sort of starting to go at the time the series premiered. So, obviously, we were starting to see... The beginnings of the Me Too movement and things like that. Um, Jess,
4: yeah, it, it, I think it does reflect the comments, but I think it also does. You know, like you said, it's the same same dude. So, um, you know, I think you do. Just, I think it is. I think it reflects the. The current you know status of what's happening i think i think the original idea of sabrina like like we were talking about before like sabrina doesn't revolve really around a guy like she does have her relationships but she's always kind of been um almost like a little vessel of you know that could that could have that message go out there and you know women are fighting right now so hard i mean it feels like we've gone back you know, 30 years right now. So I think a show like this is like totally a reflection of what's happening and what women have to go through right now and what women are dealing with. And, um, you know, and I think it should say, like, maybe they should stop messing with us. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, exactly. I will take you in the mines.
0: Like. What about, what about you,
3: Bronwyn? What did you think of the, uh, the feminist poems? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, as, same with you, I, I hadn't read the source material, so I couldn't really speak to whether it reflected that or not, but um, it seems likely to be reflecting some of the mood of the current you know, ethos and, and definitely some of reflecting that fact as a product of it, right? If, if we're going to be the target audience and we are all coming out saying me too me too then you know maybe writing two hour experience is going to make us more interested in the show right
2: mm-hmm.
3: and and i don't mean that to sound as sort of cutthroat as it does like i feel like it was written with empathy you know um, and then trying to express a shared experience you know between the characters in the show and maybe something that the rest of us can can relate to, even if it is set in a much more fantastical way, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, in some ways, it struck me, and this is going to be a weird kind of comparison, so bear with me. Um, do you remember that scene from uh, Jeremy's uh, Raven, the pirate princess, at the beginning where she's trying to get her pirate crew together and she's interviewing all those dudes? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... And it is, I swear to God, every office female's experience distilled into one scene at a bar full of pirates. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. how? How have you done this? Like, I can... I'm just... I'm relating to this so hard because, you know, all these guys trying to interview for a female boss and uh, they're like, but, you know, can you really do this? You know, and it's just... I'm, I swear to God, I heard them. I heard somebody say that to me three days ago. <laughs> oh my God! I would, I would murder people. And I, I, I can't. And, and this is it. And, I, and I'm not a pirate, but I, you know, I'm not a witch either. And, and, oh, and nice. I'm. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. You know, I'm just a scientist. I work in a lab. You know. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that science fiction and fantasy have all, and comic books and all of that, they've always been kind of an opportunity for people to really become. More scathing than, than sort of more than other f- fiction and prose allows you to be, mm. uh, with the social commentary, right? Because people reading it can have that buffer between themselves and reality
2: mm.
3: of the fantastical element. So, uh, something like Sabrina can get very scathing and it does. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really does. <laughs> And that's beautiful because it allows us to kind of be like, yes, that is happening in our world. But with a little bit of buffer, because that's not our world,
0: Mm.
3: you know, so it's not quite as stressful
0: as watching the news. That's true. I do try to avoid watching the news now, which is a sad thing to say, but Mm. um, it's, it's, it's not fun some of the time. Um, Kelly, I'm guessing from the version of Sabrina that you've written and from some of your other books that I have read that you are a feminist. Um, that, that, <laughs> that is something that i that I get from your writing. Um from what you've seen of of the show, do you do you kind of get that feminist bent from it as well?
1: For sure, for sure. I mean, I think that um, it's it definitely takes from I do think Sabrina has very feminist. Roots. I mean, I think even having a young witch character, sort of as her own protagonist, back at the time when it was also Betty and Veronica following Archie around. I mm-hmm. mean, I think that it, that doesn't feel like wildly feminist, but for its time, I think it was actually pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, so I think it's absolutely in her roots. It's in her bones. Um, it's also in witch story bones. I mean, yeah which power, whether you're talking about it in a more sisterhood and nature and that kind of stuff, that's feminism. And it's also tends to be feminism when you go the darker route, you know, Mm the, um, so I, I, think that it's all there. And I think because of some of the changes we're seeing and some of the dialogue we're seeing socially, um, that it's both, Leaning into that stuff that's sort of topical, and it's also um, being allowed to do that because I think they're actively looking for more material that's sort of doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's really good timing for the show, to be honest. Um, that you know, it's just sometimes you get that zeitgeist, right, where you just sort of hit it at the right moment, and I think Sabrina definitely did that.
0: Definitely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So sticking with. Sabrina the Teenage Witch the comic um, which obviously you have just finished releasing the first story arc on that and it's been announced that you're going to be doing a second story arc which I Yay. am very very excited about <laughs> Yay. Um, thank you I very much enjoyed the comic Yeah. Um, all the way back in the first issue of of that first arc Sabrina uses her first bell to change her hair colour saying that her peers can be monsters um, and as somebody who has changed her hair colour more times than she would care to admit, Um, Mm -hmm. and isn't 99% certain what colour hair she actually has anymore. Um, (laughs) Did you specifically um, sort of focus on her appearance and calling her peers monsters from your own experience of being a teenager, um, from the terror that is, I'm now learning, high school in America? Um, (laughs)
1: I mean, I think it's not specific to my experience. As I said, I was not really tortured or bullied or anything. I was just sort of, like, sort of passing through. Like, I wasn't making a splash in a bad way or a good way. I mean, I was I was pretty smart and I got good grades, but I wasn't, like, class valedictorian. And so I wasn't excelling or, or falling in either sort of direction. I was just sort of getting through. Mm. Um, but I do think children are particularly cruel I think they can also be particularly kind but there's sort of a weird cruelty in them that is painful and maybe part of it is painful because it's sort of honest like um they're sort of ignorant but it is what they believe like it's really a thing that they think Um, And I think that that has the potential to be just devastating, especially when it's weaponized against other vulnerable young people. Um, But the big thing with the hair, I mean, it was about all of that. But the big thing with the hair was because I just wanted to show her evolution. Mm -hmm. I wanted by that episode five for her to go to the white hair and be okay with it and not be hiding, you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, we also got to use it as a sort of, as a sort of indicator of like when her power level was low, then her hair was going back white because she didn't have the energy to keep up the spell. Um, so we were using it in a couple ways. But the big thing for me was that I wanted her... I wanted the hair white. Like, a lot of the designs when we wanted it was sort of <laughs> yellow, and I was like, no, I was like, Sabrina's hair is white, period. And then I was like, well, actually... I want it white, but then I want it to be blonde for most of the thing. And mm. then I want her to let it go back to white and have that be a thing. And that was another thing that we tried to develop with Harvey, which is sort of subtle, which is he likes the white. And mm. so even as we're going to continue pushing this idea of her seeing Harvey as like her mortal life, the fact is, if she really showed her true self to Harvey, he might be fine with it. She's just not willing to take that risk.
2: Yeah. And
1: mm. so... You know it was a lot of fun to have with hair color which I'm a big fan of <laughs>
0: <Nice>. <laughs> so thinking about kind of your your time at high school um, and obviously I mean I was kind of the same I was I was sort of in that middle ground where I wasn't making my you know I wasn't one of the popular kids I wasn't one of the kids that really got picked on um, but obviously you see a lot when when you're a teenager What's the most sort of monstrous thing that you can recall your peers or, or, or yourself um, doing as a team? You know, what kind of struck stuck with you and, and that you brought up into adulthood? I think I think in elementary
1: school, especially um, there were some things of kids being teased and sort of tortured. I remember there was one girl um, when I was in like elementary school and middle school, I was really sort of popular before I moved to Utah and, um, and I was sort of blonde and cute and whatever and popular girl, but not super aware of it. It's only Mm -hmm. like in retrospect that I'm aware of that, but there was this girl that was sort of poor and was sort of wearing the same clothes all the time. And she was getting really harassed and it really upset me. And I ended up sort of trying to befriend her and gave her clothes and like tried to get my other friends involved. And then, and then it all sort of fell apart and I don't know if it fell apart. And like, maybe there's something traumatic there that happened. Like I, I'd love to ask that woman today, Mm. like what happened there? Like, did I get bored and like forget it was a thing or did she not want to be helped, which is totally legit by Mm. the way. Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, I, I was just, I was in sixth grade. I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't know what happened. And I know I was trying to do the right thing, but that doesn't mean I actually did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a weird thing there. That's that's something I think about from time to time. And, like, I wish I could talk to that woman today and be like, do you have a memory of this? Like, I hope you're not going to tell me it scarred you for life. <laughs> <'cause> I was <laughs> trying to do the right thing. <laughs> but uh-huh. I don't really know what happened. Like, we didn't we didn't dance off into the sunset and become best friends, you know, mm. so I don't know where did that fall apart. Um, so there's a lot of little stuff like that. Um, again, I really kept to myself in high school. I sort of kept my head down. Mm. I'm sure there was a lot of horrible stuff going
0: on. It sounds like keeping your head down is a sensible thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I think it's sensible, but I think it's a little cowardly and unadventurous, right? Um, you know, yeah, I got through it alive, but and and without too much trauma. But what what is that? It's like a big blank space of like mm. four years. You know, it's a little odd. Mm.
0: <laughs> I remember we had a boy at my school who um, he had Asperger's syndrome, and everything that he was told, he thought was real. He couldn't differentiate between fiction and nonfiction. Um, mm. And some of some of the other boys found out about that. And they would say things to him, that, that they were going to do things. And he honestly believed them. You know, uh, they were terrible. playing pool in the common room one day, and one of them was, like, joking, thinking he was funny in the way that 16-year-old boys think they're funny.
2: Oh joking God. around,
0: saying that he was going to hit this boy with a pool cue. And this poor child, was was he was terrified. He honestly uh, thought he was going to get beaten up. And because I didn't really have the greatest sense of yeah. <laughs> keeping my nose out of things at the time <laughs> i i took i took this lad to task and i properly called him out in front of everyone um and i'm surprised i didn't get hit with a pool cue actually because what the kind of kid that would do that but I, I often go back and think and wonder what happened to that boy um yeah you know and and how he kind of got on in life because we're in our late 30s now mm-hmm. and so that was 20 years back um I don't ever think about the boy with the pool cue because he yeah. was an idiot, frankly, and I <laughs> couldn't care less what happened to him. But that act, you know, that one incident always kind of stuck with me, and that I think was a point at which I realised that people can be awful just for the fun of it. Um, yeah, and that that was kind of what I was thinking of when I when I wrote that question down, um, Bronwyn. I know that you you grew up in sort of quite a small town. Mm-hmm. Were your peers good people, or did you have terrible ones like my boy with the porky?
3: <laughs> I don't have any specific memories of people being terrible like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also mostly kept my head down. Um, I, I was one of the smart kids, so giant nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I didn't specifically get picked on. Um, we had a, a like I went to a really new high school, so it didn't really have a lot of those cliques, kind of established as of yet. Um so there wasn't a ton of that stuff at my high school. Um grade school, yeah, there was, there was some weirdness in grade school. Um where yeah, I was definitely a nerd. <laughs> but by high school, no, I had sort of chosen to be a little bit different and, and sort of um tailor my experience a little bit differently. And uh and I, I did and and mostly the the mostly the trauma associated with high school for me was actually um suicides Mm.
2: other
3: other people who were struggling and who'd had um lost that struggle Mm. and that was very traumatic for me um so that that for me was just sort of the big thing with with high school was people being mostly cruel to themselves yeah Yeah. you know
2: um
3: so I, I get I don't I can't really make that into a fortunately you know because mm, no, <laughs> no, it yeah. wasn't there there's no fortunate there, um, but no, there wasn't a specific cruelty things that I can remember. Um, people were pretty nice for the most part, sort of casually indifferent a lot of the time yeah, yeah um
1: which which leads to like that feeling mm-hmm. of loneliness and and
3: isolation, yeah yeah. Like, yeah so i think you know if i but you know like there's no there's no point in the the if i could go back and do anything differently you know because you can't um and if the reality is like i was struggling my own self you know just to kind of get through Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i wish that i could have been more present for people you know that Mm -hmm. i if i could have been there to try and help somebody and maybe made a difference
0: that way, but
3: yeah, that was that was my big sort of traumatic thing from high school, so mm.
0: and that and that is incredibly traumatic, and that isn't something that you know that anyone should ever have to go through, but unfortunately that that is that is something that that happens to teenagers because you have a lot of emotions and and things can be very, very difficult when when you're a teenager. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate in that 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 was never something that happened at my school. But then I went to a relatively small school. Um, all things considered, Jess, you went to the biggest high school. In yeah, the world. that's what I
4: was gonna say. My high school experience might be um, different, very different from you guys, because I mean, I had a graduating class of like fifteen hundred or two thousand people. Um, I forgot exactly <laughs> wow, what it was. that is that is huge. Yeah. I
1: think mine was I think mine was a thousand. Yeah, was, that was a big school. Yeah, yeah.
4: It, it's it was it's a big school. Um, you know what I mean? So. It wasn't, I mean, I don't think I had, like, anyone personal, like, attack me, but, and I, I, I think I also was weird to piss people off. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I dressed weird. I was, like, a little goth kid. I wore, like, crazy clothing. I dyed my hair crazy colors. Um, you know, I think I did it to be, like, stay away from me. Like, please don't come near me. And I had my little group of, like, goth friends um, but you know, and we did see, I did see some horrible things go on when I was in school. Um, and you, there was a kid who lived like literally at the end of the block. i I can show you the house when we drive past later, Sarah, uh, you know, and his name was Alex and he was definitely, you know, I, he wasn't, um, I don't know. He wasn't, he was off. He was just a little mm-hmm. off and he was always different. Um, I, I really, he never really bothered me. He was a nice kid. He was a little smelly, you know, Mm. like it was like that type of deal. And he had really big feet for like his size Mm. and they called him Ronald McDonald all the time. And they tortured this kid to the point of when we were in sixth grade. Um, I remember the teacher coming in telling us that Alex would not, no longer become in class anymore. Mm. And it was because he tried to hang himself. But he did not, he, he was not successful, um, and he didn't die, okay? Uh, about a year later, he came back to school, and I remember kids telling him, like, one of the kids yelled in the hallway, and I remember being, like, mortified by this, mm. like, you should have done it right. You, oh. You, oh, my God. You're blanking, blank, blank, you know, Ugh. somewhat. And I remember that, and this is the thing, like, this, like, stands out in my brain, like, mm. vividly, because I remember it being horrifying like like how you know what i mean i remember the teacher coming in and telling us he wasn't going to be there and that being like like you know what i mean and i remember specifically them torturing him they they would torture this kid Mm -hmm. like it wasn't like they like they would pick on me because i was chubby and I'm used, you know what I mean. I was always chubby, so I. But I kind of, I don't know. Like I said, I have a little bit of a thicker skin, and I kind of used it as mm-hmm. material. And I would be like, yeah, I'm fine, like great, you know, like whatever. I'll dress weird and mm-hmm. weird color clothes and put spikes all over my backpack and like, you know, like, and then they'll stay away from me. And that was definitely, I could definitely say it was like, um, you know, a coping mechanism mm-hmm. for defense me, and mm-hmm. yeah, a def- total defense mechanism. Um, now I'm just casually. Yes. <laughs> um, I only somewhat frightened. Uh, but yeah, and I remember this happening. And I remember the teacher coming in and telling us that he had um, tried to kill himself, and that he was okay, and that they were like, because they made they, they made like a foundation for him while he mm. was recovering because he did suffer some kind of brain damage. Um, but like yeah, like his dad like found him hanging mm. in his bedroom, and I was like, I, I, you know, and we were young. We were like, yeah, you no. Know, I was in sixth grade. How old are you in sixth grade? I don't know, ten? Ten? So maybe we like were that? like eleven or twelve, like when that, mm, that the yeah. other kid said that to him. I mean yep. it's like horrifying. Um yeah, and then as I got older, like once I got into high school, like, you know, there I mean there was always just like just the There was always the jerks. Those same jerks that bothered that kid bothered other kids. Mm. Um, But even, like, my friends did something horrifying. This was, I had met Dan by this point. I was was about 17, and we were in our senior year, and they actually went and robbed a grave. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, my God. What? Yes, 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 yes. It wasn't, they didn't, like, dig anything up. It was a mausoleum or something that they pushed over and, like, stole a skull out of it. Oh
2: my God. But oh my I remember God.
4: being like, and I used to, like, I was already like moving away from these kids. You know what I mean? Like you, you do, you grow up and you separate from people. They were not growing up. I was growing up. I had met Dan. I was moving on and they got arrested for it. They got caught mm. and arrested mm. because they were taking pictures. And this is before, this is before social media. Okay. When I was in high school, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. They were literally taking Polaroids on mm. this and brought them to school. <laughs> oh my lord and like i think about it now and i'm like what kind of horrible human being does that like what kind of horrible human beings were you so yeah so there were just a lot of horrible people like and i think you just get that in like that many people you know (laughs) what i mean like that many kids and that many people there um so yeah those were two horrifying stories that i could tell you about my (laughs) <laughs> my
0: childhood so essentially what we're learning is that teenagers and children are awful and we should yeah no late. you know what it, like i said like <laughs> you know it, it wasn't all awful and it
4: wasn't all bad but um you know i, I was always you know i would like to say there's classes and i was definitely like middle to low class you know what I mean? I was never <laughs> any higher than that. Maybe I was middle class. I did have friends and I did have people that I knew, but I definitely wasn't popular and I definitely got picked on and I definitely was told how, how overweight I was all the time. That I definitely knew. I was made sure that I knew that I was overweight. That was mm. something I definitely was told.
1: You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't really remember. I mean, there are definitely a couple instances where my weight was like a specific thing thing that was called out or whatever, but not really in high school, like in high school, the torture I got over my weight was all self-inflicted. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe people were saying things or thinking things or, you know, thinking I should be thinner or whatever, but nobody was bothering me about it it was all what I was doing to myself, you know,
4: yeah. same here. You know, I wish that was the case for me. Um, actually this was for, she's you're going to ask a, a next question, which who was your Jessa whatever. Um, and I, I never really had like one particular person that did that to me, but here you want another horrifying story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I met Dan when I, this summer going into 12th, Okay. Um, I met Dan and when I met him, I took a picture of him and I was an artist and stayed in the art hallway. And I had picture, a picture of him, a picture of just like a couple pictures of him on the inside of my book. Um, and the girls in my class would, were for like a week or two told me that I was lying, that I was too fat, that someone as good looking as him would never go out with a fatty like me. Not kidding you. Okay, so this is, yeah. So I know, like, yeah, I remember these specifically. So yeah, until one day Dan came and picked me up and his very, very awesome, cool RX-7 Um, he had a really cool car and he was really good looking and he came and picked me up in his car and they, I will never forget the one girl's face when she was standing on the front lawn. Like she, I was so glad she was there. I was so glad she was there to see it. And I was like, I, you know, and I just gave her a little finger, (laughs) you know? Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's how, um, the, the mean girls in my school were really mean girls. They were, Mm. they were, um, they were, they were really mean. So. Yeah, lovely. My my school experience was great, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's that's one thing in um in the Sabrina comic. You have Radka Ransom, who is this kind of mean girl character, and then you have Jessa Chang, who is sort of the girl that's getting picked on. Um, and I, I can literally name who the Radka and the Jessa were from my school, um, <laughs> because there was one girl who her family had money and she got whatever she wanted, and. She was one of the cool kids and she invited me to her house one day. And I was like, This is it. I'm in. I'm in with the cool kids. <laughs> and at the time I was absolutely terrified of dogs. I was like bitten by a dog when I was a little child and dogs were terrifying. And she invited me to her house because she had two dogs and she thought it was funny to lock me in the kitchen with them. Oh, no. And like oh, my- yeah, that would that was her like she got all of her other mean girlfriends around and that was her idea of something fun. And I ended up on the phone to my mum in tears, like landlines because you know technology. And my mum had to come and pick me up like three hours early because that's what it was like uh. then. Your mum dropped you off at one time and she picked you up at another time. And I was so upset by that. And then I realised that that this girl did stuff like that to everyone, and that nobody actually really liked her. They were just friends with her because that meant that she wouldn't do it to them. Um, and then we also yeah. we, we had our Jessa Chang who um, was she was overweight and she wasn't too smart and um, you know she she was an easy target um, and I'm slightly ashamed to say that I was used to going in the line behind her in PE class because she would break down in tears because she wouldn't be able to do a forward roll and then I'd get to pretend that I'd done one because I couldn't do them either but as long as I stood behind her in the line for five years, I got away with that. Um, oh, my God. So Yeah, so Claire Marta, if you're listening, I'm really, really sorry. Um, that was terrible of me. But your your crying um, really helped me out. And I'm now 37 years old and still can't do a forward roll. Um, <laughs>
3: okay, well, Sarah, the next time you come to Canada,
1: I can teach you. I, it's for me. Is a forward roll a somersault? Yes, 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 it is. Yes. Okay. I don't think I can do one now, but I could do one back then.
0: Yeah. I've, I've always been unusually tall compared to my peers, and folding myself down into that shape, it's just, it didn't happen. It's never going to happen. It wasn't before, wasn't it? Um, Bronwyn, did, did you have
3: a red cap or a jessa? Not in high school, but definitely in grade school, which was... Um, Unfortunate because there were so few of us. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Kelly, for your context, I grew up in a very, 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 very small place in rural Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, two, three hundred people in my village, maybe. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to a tiny little Catholic school. <laughs> um, so there were, you know, maybe 200 people in the school including all of the grades and all of the staff. <laughs> and uh it went from J K to grade eight. And um, so there we had the biggest graduating class ever in the history of the school with twenty kids. Yes. <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> wow yeah
3: yeah so my, my my experience is a little different
1: <laughs> well it does uh, seem like a good argument for um better more humane treatment because you sound like you had the best experience yeah and you were the smallest school and the largest school seems like it was the worst experience yeah, yeah. yeah. Terrifying. we've got all the data right here ladies you yeah, know terrifying I
4: mean
1: it's,
3: it's why I like to my high school experience um yeah. so we did uh, there was one girl in grade school who was a little bit uh, a little bit radka, and then I guess probably if anybody was, it was me who was the gesso, but I was also considerably smarter than she was, and so she would try and pick on me, and it worked for a little bit until I realized that I was bigger than she was.
0: <laughs> 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 and
3: then I just turned around and, and and I said you you can't keep doing this and she was like, well, why not? And I said, because I'm bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me, and she looked at herself, and she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> and it stopped. <laughs> wow,
2: it's so, crazy.
3: Yeah, and now we're Facebook friends. <laughs>
2: wow, it all so,
3: comes
1: around. You it know, comes around.
3: It works. Well, I mean, I mean,
1: I hope. I mean, certainly Radka presents and and has a lot to answer for in her behavior. But I do hope, especially as we explore what's going on with her in um, the second arc, that there are a lot more layers to her hmm. than. I mean, already we've seen she lives in a rundown trailer, no parents to be seen. In a sort of abandoned trailer park, and like, what's the deal with that? Like, mm-hmm. that's not how she presents, that's not how she acts. She's lying to everyone. So, already, I hope we're building some layers about her sort of not being what she seems. I mean, if I had to sum rag up, it's that um, she believes she can protect herself with a strong offense as opposed to playing defense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so. That strong offense is presenting herself a certain way, and then making sure she's the top dog and not showing any weakness, so that nobody can guess of what those weaknesses are. And I mean, listen, she's sometimes a wendigo, so with her brother, so <laughs> yeah. she's got yeah. some she's got some weaknesses. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's yeah. very protective of Ren, though.
4: Just a little problem, minor, yeah. minor details.
3: Nobody's perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do love that um, that relationship between between Radka and Wen though, and the fact that they're both very protective of each other. Um, And it's almost like he's trying to protect her from one aspect of the life, and she's trying to protect him of the other. And it's almost like sort of a little competition going on, who can protect the other one the more. Um, Yeah. When, when he sort of says to Sabrina, you know, don't mention to anyone at school about where we live. And when she says to Sabrina, don't tell Ren about what we are. I, I think yeah. that's, that's really, really sweet.
1: Um, yeah, I really love that aspect. And I hope we're going to be able to flush that out the way I plan to in the second arc, and we'll get to see more of that stuff.
0: Mm. Um, so sort of talking about the way you portray different, different characters in the comic, um, kelly you portray salem in the comic as the warlock living in the body of the cat which is how he appears in the tv show as opposed to in the netflix series in which he is not a cute talking cat um was this based upon how salem originally was in the comics um or was it kind of a conscious choice on your part to differentiate yourself from the tv show i mean
1: there were ways in which they wanted us to differentiate because like i wanted to use ambrose and i wanted him to be gay and I really liked the portrayal in the comic or in the show and so I was definitely leaning sort of that direction mm. and they had me take him out because they were worried it was too close and it was actually, it ended up being a good thing because even though I really wanted to use that character I we were pretty overtaxed as it was with what we were building
2: mm.
1: so it's probably a good thing and there was also um, because I was using Salem as the talking cat there was some um, what's the word? Um, there was some overlap between those sort of sassy characters in Sabrina's life. So, um, so the, he wasn't completely necessary initially, the way I thought he was mm-hmm. to the to the sort of tone and dynamic. Um, the truth is, there was no way I wasn't going to write a like snarky talking cat because <laughs> like, my favorite. Thing about the book, um, and especially because Veronica is so great at drawing his expressions and his body language and everything. I love it. Um, so I was always going to do that, but I, I chose to have it be the warlock trapped in the cat because that's sort of historically um, the way they do it. Hmm. Um, I understand why the show doesn't want a snarky-talking cat. Like, I understand that that sort of breaks the tone a little bit. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure I want it even more now that I have cats. Like, I've just had cats for, like, two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And they're my whole freaking life now. So, and even though it would probably be one of those careful what you wish for things, I wish they would talk to me so much. (laughs) Uh, I I would be so excited about that to hear what they have to say. So, yeah, there was no way I wasn't writing a a Mm. talking Salem.
0: I particularly love the scene where um, he tells Sabrina off for treating him as a pet. Um, Yes, seriously, (laughs) I love that. (gasps) That That is just perfect cat voice. So um, yeah, I, I and just...
1: then and then he enjoys the petting. Oh, anyway yeah. yeah, 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 Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reluctant purrs. Yeah, so yeah.
3: <laughs> I know. I've often thought of that, though. With my my cat Dubs, I've had him for sixteen years, and I've just thought, oh, if only you could talk. And then I thought, oh no, oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'd probably
1: be bad. It'd probably be bad. <laughs> I don't want my um, dogs to
4: talk, but I think they just say Mom, 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 Mom yeah, they would. Mom.
1: <laughs> mom you know, like you know, that old It's like that old Gary Larson cartoon. Did you ever see that? Where he, the guy, the scientist guy, is walking around outside and he's got a dog translator on his on his head and he's walking around and all these dogs are barking at him and they're all just saying, Hey, hey, ah, hey, hey, <laughs>
2: yeah,
4: hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, That's yeah, great. That would definitely be my dog. That would definitely be
3: Whereas my cat would definitely be telling me about the winter of his discontent.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel Like my guys would just be talking about crunch, which is not guess would be really disappointing. <laughs> uh, is it time for the crunch? <laughs> Amazing.
0: Um, so Kelly, when you're writing the book, where do you look to for inspiration, especially with characters like Hilda and Zelda? Um, how do you kind of differentiate their voices when you're writing them? Because you know, they are incredibly different characters, and they they have very different voices. How do you go about that?
1: Well, I mean, I definitely wanted softer, sort of non cannibal ants. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so like I looked more, I looked to some of the older stuff, um, and even to a degree, I guess a little bit the '90s show, not a lot, but a little bit mm-hmm. because. Because it's a very, even though Zelda's the more taskmastery stern one, I think in our comic, it's a very, like, loving, comfortable family. And that, I guess, (laughs) is what I'm talking about with the 90s thing. But I do appreciate, you know, some of the, in chilling the book and the show, I think they've done a really good job of letting those characters sort of be united but be really different and so I I tried to take that and it helped that Veronica did those great designs that sort of spoke to their characters Zelda's a little bit more fashion forward she's a little bit sharper she's a little bit more taciturn and less likely to sort of share everything she's feeling and Hilda is a little more cuddly and approachable and motherly with Sabrina and a lot more interested in sort of mortal things like here, have a pop chart, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I like that balance for them. And I like, and I think that goes again to, you know, Zelda and Hilda are both part of her magical world for mm. sure. But again, you've got these dichotomies for Sabrina and Hilda certainly feels a lot more mortal and, Comfortable with that mortal world than mm-hmm. Zelda does, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of their voices though, really did come from the way Veronica designed them and the way she was drawing them. I mean, I had given her a script, mm. um, so I had already written the scene. But that first kitchen scene with them, like when she turned it in, I was like, God, you almost don't need words. Like, it's she was so expressive in their body language mm-hmm. and their clothing and everything.
0: That's awesome. So sticking with Veronica um, for a moment, Sabrina's outfits in particular are always absolutely adorable. Um, how much guidance do you give her on things like character design and um, sort of what they're wearing, and what they look like? And how much do you just kind of leave the art team to do that for themselves?
1: Um, for clothes, I definitely don't do anything. I mean, in a, in other scenarios, I maybe would with other artists, but like she doesn't need it. She's so good. Hmm. And she has a really great eye for that, um, Everything she's done would have been better than the suggestions I would have made. <laughs> um, we did go back and forth a little bit initially on design, just, you know, as you do when you're developing something. Um, the Sabrina, her first pass was perfection, except for that I wanted the white hair. Um, it was perfect, mm-hmm. and it has been ever since. Same with Salem. We had more of a push and pull on... Um, on Hilda and Zelda, because I wanted them, and I'm very happy with where we landed, which I think is a compromise, but, like, to me, I was, like, you know, we keep pushing them to sort of this frumpy ants, mm. but they're ants, and, like, age-wise, they could be Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett from Ocean's 8. Like, mm, yeah. let, mm-hmm. them, let them look like that. Let them wear furs and look crazy and be super, like... You know, what are they doing in Greendale? They look like, you know, they look like superstars. Um, so there was an element of that that I was interested in pushing them to be more cool, right? Like yeah, more, nice. more sort of less the frumpy aunt at home. Who's annoying to you and more the does my aunt have a secret life I don't know about because (laughs) she's maybe secretly cooler than me. And so we landed we landed sort of in the middle. As an ancient I'm I'm happy with
4: <laughs> I yeah, no, so I I myself, <laughs> oh my God. I'm um, being a cool aunt. And I, I yeah, live yeah. with my, my yeah. niece now. She now lives with me and I talk about it all the time. And like, I appreciate that because I am not a frumpy aunt. I, no. you know, have weird color hair and do weird things and have, you know, uh, weird stuff all over my house. And <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I'm well, i have mean, definitely cool yeah, auntie. <laughs> yeah. I mean I not
1: to make that. it not to make it all about me but I I think a lot of the Sabrina readers are women of a certain age and a lot of us don't have kids and we are the cool aunt, uh, you know, or we're going to be. And so I don't know, I was really I pushed really hard. I think I went so far as to send screenshots of of Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett from from Ocean's 8 and I was like for all I'm concerned they look like this like they're badasses, like, Mm. you know, push in this direction. And so that's, we sort of landed in the middle a little bit. Um, What I'm really happy with, and that really embodies, and even if I hadn't been perfectly happy with the design, once she sent that scene of them in the kitchen, and it's one of the great reasons that uh, an artist-writer collaboration is so important, and trusting each other is so important, is because, you know, she sent that scene of them in the kitchen, that first scene together, and they just sort of came alive, and it all made sense, you know? And I was like, yeah, she was right. This is just the right mix, you know? Mm. That's awesome.
3: So it seems like it's super critical to have that kind of bond of trust between the writer and the artist for the book to really... Sing, I don't know, yes. yeah, sing, that's a yeah. great word.
1: Thank you. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen, for sure. Like, um, you know, you chase those kind of really wonderful team-ups um, I had no idea like I really liked Veronica and, and Andy's work um, especially on their Blackwood book that they've done um, but I they blew my they blew me away with what they brought to Sabrina it was it's really so effortless and and gorgeous
0: mm-hmm. amazing. Absolutely beautiful and it really fits the tone mm-hmm. of the book perfectly as well um, you mentioned earlier kind of where the character of Wren of came about and, and how he's, you know, he kind of represents this other part of Sabrina's life. Um, at one point in the book, Wren gives Sabrina a lift home on his motorbike and she describes it as magical. Kelly, have you had a lift on the back of a motorbike? And would you describe <laughs> it as magical? Um, I have, but not on
1: like a boy's motorbike. I, these two... Um, I used to go camping all the time with a friend of mine, Suzanne, and she had two older sisters who were very cool, Anna and Leah. And sometimes they would come, and they had motorcycles, and so they would ride, they would take us around sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was magical, not in the same way that uh, Supreme is experiencing, <laughs> but I would say more than anything, looking at a scene like that is from Greece too, mm. and from that being uh-huh. imprinted on my young child brain of how amazing that would
3: be. Nice. Um,
1: please let me be on a uh, amazing motorcycle with uh, Max Caulfield, wasn't that his name? <laughs> so handsome, the
0: accent and the whole thing. Please, I love it. What about you,
3: Berman? You ever had a lift on a bike? I have, but again, not in the same context. <laughs> um, my, you've heard me talk about my friend Jill. Her mom's husband is a Harley guy, and when he got this new bike, he took us for a ride, like each of us. <laughs> um, and it is exhilarating. It's really fun. Um, I wrongly assumed that between the noise of the bike and the helmet isolation that he wouldn't hear me. So because it was so exhilarating, I literally laughed the
2: entire time,
3: (laughs) which I said, shocking no one. (laughs) And when we got back and Jill and her mom asked me how it was, I was like, I was honest, obviously. And I told them, oh, my God, it was amazing. I laughed the whole time. And poor Bill gets off his bike and says in this very long suffering tone, she really did <laughs> I'm like oh my god oh so embarrassed okay hi <laughs> oh but it was, it was it was exhilarating it was quite an exciting thing to do
0: I, I clearly lucked out on this then because I went on the back of a motorbike once and it was terrifying It was not a fun experience. I mean, you know, it was was with a guy on a date, and he was going to take me out on a date on his motorbike, but he decided that he was going to show off with it. So he was going very, very fast. And I didn't know that when you're on a motorbike, you're supposed to lean into the corners. So I was like sitting there stiff as a board, which was making it difficult for him to control the bike. And literally, we got to our destination, and I gave him the helmet back, and I was like, I'm walking home.
2: That was horrible.
0: Ah. That was not oh. <laughs> that's, that's not you. dude. ruined the whole sort of magical romantic going for a ride on a bike thing for me because it was just terrifying. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, yeah, that 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 broke that one for me. What about you, Jess? You ever had a romantic bike ride?
4: No, I do not get anything in on anything that does not
0: have four wheels. Um, <laughs> I will explain this <laughs> as well.
4: Um I did. Although the first time I met Danny, um, he did give me a ride home in his RX-7, which was like fast and cool, and that was kind of magical. Oh, and like God. the top came off, of, well, the top like popped out, and like so that was like kind of that type of thing. <laughs> like he offered me a ride home, and I'm like, he, I you know from a party, and I went on a ride home with like this cute boy in his <laughs> really nice car. Um, but I will explain why I don't get any on anything with two wheels. So shortly after I had met Dan, it was about two and a half weeks after. Um, my brother used to have these like gas powered scooters. They were called like Ballada scooters. And, um, I was on his and being a jerk and I hit some sand and I fell and I skid about 40 mi- and you went about oh. 35 to 40 miles an hour on these things. Oh. And so I skid across the street and got road rash. All the way up, like, the right side of my arm and the right side of my face. (laughs) Oh. And I had just met Dan, and I had to, like, call him up and, like, and then see him and explain to him that I had fallen off a scooter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, the shame. So, how to look cool in front of your new boyfriend. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, and he stayed with me,
4: obviously. Like, this is, I mean, we were, you know, 16, but... Uh, Yeah, and that was horrible. Road rash is terrible. Um, If you've ever had to experience it, I am so sorry. (laughs) Like, because what happens is when you skid, like, the dirt gets embedded into your arm. Oh, oh God. So I'll stop there, but you can picture (laughs) how horrifying this was.
3: My microbiology heart is just withering inside. It was
4: terrible. It was terrible. So yeah, but yeah. Thanks Dan for staying with me and loving me. Even though i fell off the of screen
0: So yeah. Danny's one of the good ones. Yeah. And they are adorably cute together, I have to say. Yes. Um now when when Sabrina's on this bike ride, she's talking about how her life is flicking between genres and it sort of it goes from mean girl to, to teen romance. Um and Jess, I'm going to stick with you. If your life had a genre, what would it be? It'd be a, a dark comedy. Um,
4: <laughs> dark comedy, maybe a little bit of a horror in there. Um, but not a good horror movie, like one of those D-horror movies with the bad special effects. <laughs> um, uh, and now, probably the most boring family sitcom you've ever seen in your LA. life. <laughs> we are full house over here. I am now Uncle Jesse. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, my Aww. sisters in the basement. Like we really are a full house, okay? <laughs> Just with lots of women. Um, so yeah. So that's so we're horrible family sitcom and a dark comedy.
0: Roman, Amazing.
3: What's, what's your genre? Sci-fi romance with a healthy dose of physical comedy.
0: Nice. <laughs> 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 what about
1: yeah. Comedy? Yeah.
0: Do you have a
1: genre? Um. Gosh, what's the most boring one? Literary, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) uh, My world is very boring. I mean, that's the only way I have time to write anything is to uh, not do anything. Um, I mean, I think my boyfriend and I are very funny sometimes, so maybe there's a little bit of comedy in there. But, um, yeah, no, it's pretty dull. It's pretty dull. I keep it pretty calm so that I can get my work done, which is what I really care about. So it's
4: okay. As a sensible approach, I'm going to be honest. So you're the boring sitcom that comes after my boring sitcom? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah,
3: yeah. See, on the one hand, I can totally get that because work eats my life as well. But on the other hand, you are so freaking funny that I cannot picture your life being anything (laughs) other than a comedy.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's definitely comedy in there, for sure. (laughs) But it's like, you know, comedy, I mean you need people around. You need to be out doing things and interacting with those people in order to have that. And, you know, my boyfriend was gone for six months and it was just like me and these cats. And, Occasionally, that was funny, but a lot of time it was uh, just really boring, like watching paint dry. I I would, I would definitely be a channel you would click away from. I mean, like you'd be like occasional little moments of brilliance where you'd be like, "Oh my god, that's so funny! I love that bit!" And then the rest of the time it would be like, "Yeah, watching paint dry." I I
3: think you underestimate how long I can actually spend watching cats.
1: (laughs) That is true. The cats are adorable.
0: So we, we have mentioned um, a couple of times before on our on our other show that you seem to have been writing every single book at one point. <laughs> Is that how you, did it? you sent your boyfriend away for six months and just wrote like seven titles all at once?
1: Yeah, I actually did not have a super productive summer just because of I had I had backed off on some of my books to make room for some other stuff I had to do. Um, and so I didn't actually write a ton of comics this summer actually. Um, I wish I'd written more. But um, yeah, there have been times where I'm writing like five or six books at a time and mm. it's pretty, it's pretty involved.
0: Mm. I can't, I can't like, even imagine how you sort of jump between different characters and things like that.
3: Honestly, you're honest, you are actually a topic of conversation in our house because we read so many <laughs> of your books and it's sort of like how?
0: how is she doing this? Um, So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Kelly, about Sabrina, in issue four, one of the captions says, I don't have time for teenage toxic masculinity (laughs) games, which is is when the two guys are arguing over which one of them should be on the date with Sabrina and she's just having none of it. Um, Obviously, the book has a suggested age rating of teens. So how important was it for you to include um, a kind of a message like that about how you know women have got better things to do than listen to men fighting over them
1: yeah i mean i think it is important because if i'm gonna put her in a love triangle which is a real throwback trope right Mm. and it's a little tired right um it serves a lot of purposes for us and the truth (laughs) of the matter is people love it um i i hate i hate that we love it but we do like that. Will they, won't they? We respond to that. We respond to rooting for one or the other and like the tension that that naturally creates. So it might be tired, but it's a thing that works. Mm -hmm. But I knew that if I wanted to use it and the big reason to use it again was to draw comparisons between a very normal mortal life. And then especially as we learn more about Ren and that situation, a less straight laced life and maybe a life where because she knows his secret she can tell him hers things Mm. like that Um, but I knew if I was going to do that I wanted to make sure to draw attention to the ways in which Sabrina is not okay with that nonsense Mm. and I thought a really great scene for her would be for them to be sort of playing into those old sort of masculine stereotypes and for her to just be totally disengaged for it. Like, you know, not even willing to like watch them solve it and be annoyed with them, but to like literally remove herself from the equation Mm -hmm. and be like, that's not how I'm going to be, you know, with you guys. So that was awesome. Um, we did change the text a little bit in that scene because when Veronica turned in the sketch, she just had this sketch of her pointing at them and then just no because lots of times <laughs> lots, time, lots of times artists will do that where you know they're just cuz they're not putting in the text yet they're just sort of breaking it out but they, like, want to emphasize something. And so she just said this no. And I'm like, I'm totally changing the text in that scene. So it just says no. Like, if yeah. when we get there, if it still works, I'm going to change it. So, yeah, she amazing. used to say, there used to be a whole thing she said in that balloon. And I was like, no. Just her pointing at them like, Bleh! no. So, <laughs> was, That's, better. That's better. We're just going to do that. So That's
0: amazing. That's awesome. I just, I absolutely love that whole scene where you, you can just see the two of them bickering. And it's like, oh. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, So in in the final issue, which um, I absolutely love, Sabrina kind of levels up, and she uses lots of magical items when she goes off to help the aunts. Are these, like, real items that you came across during research, or did you invent all of them? So
1: I invented them, but they have, you know, they have some significance like so Circe's stone. So Circe was obviously a famous Greek witch. Mm, mm-hmm. Um same with Staff of Hecate. Hecate was a famous Greek witch. Mm. Um and then Nyx is a Roman uh like a goddess. Mm. Um the goddess of the night, I think, which is why the cloak making you invisible I thought was really fun. So um, and then the mask of Malin was one of my favorite ones because Malin is a famous witch or alleged witch um, from Sweden, I think. Mm. So I thought like, that's a great little sort of tidbit. Like maybe this is this mask passed down over the years from this. Um, and then um, the sword of Jean is this Joan, Joan of Arc yep. who was sort of, you know historically whispered about as like maybe she was a witch um valkyrie and armor obviously we need that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then um uh the witch's hand that was just something i created that i loved the sound of i thought it sounded cool um and that sort of goes with you know when the villain sort of reveals himself and says, like, it's in his heritage. So he's Professor Samson,
2: Mm. and
1: there's a famous witch, Agnes Samson. So, like, that's him saying he's descendant of her or whatever. Mm. So I I like to use research as much as I can. There's a point where it starts to get in your way, though, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you've done too much, and now, like, you know, you catch yourself being afraid to create a bunch of weapons that she would have because you're like, oh, none of that's historically accurate because I've been reading all this historical stuff. So there's this, there's this fine line you can bump into, but I, I broke through. I, I, was, I was feeling myself a little caught up in both the history of the actual Sabrina books and the history of witches and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was feeling myself sort of like bound by the nonfiction of it all and uh, one day I was like, nah, we can do anything. <laughs> so I, I just started making shit up and, uh, and drawing on to make it up, drawing on some of the research that I'd done. So it was a good time.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. I love the fact that, that you've sort of gone back in and taken those names from the history, because when you look at the history of witches, it is a history of men using an accusation of witchcraft to put women down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, when I was reading all the different names, I was like, Oh, absolutely loveless um so when sabrina and salem get their upgrades um whose idea was it to change the the lettering because obviously the way that they speak changes to kind of represent the fact that they um that they are this sort of next level was that something that that you asked the letterer to do or did they do that automatically
1: yeah no i i asked them to do it Mm. um because i wanted us to feel like it was a a legit internal change And not just A surface thing mm. nice. um, You know, it's not just an illusion Or whatever, it's like they have literally Been transformed from within And whether it's going to hold or not It's like, it's really changed Them
0: Yeah. Um. So in The final panel of The final issue of the first arc Radka comes along And she's all like, you know, I know what you are Um and Kelly, you probably won't be able to answer this because it might give something away for, for the next issue. So um, I'll go to Broman first. Do you think that Radka is, is she being mean? Is she being evil? Is she being something else entirely? What did you get from, from that kind of cliffhanger at the end of the first arc?
3: Well, my impression of Radka was that she is something else. Mm. Uh, <laughs> not specifically mean or evil, but uh, like... I know it's it's just the beginning because like, we're just sort of getting our foot in the door for this story I think but my impression so far is that she kind of lashes out in fear um, and this was kind of no different from that and so you know the fact that she's kind of feeling a little bit vulnerable because Sabrina knows her her secret mm. is, she, now she is trying to kind of lash back out and say well I know your secret too so you know you're going to help me and again, like like Kelly said earlier, much more eloquently, <laughs> uh, you know, the the best uh, defense is a good offense, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like that is, that came across pretty clearly with Radka, and I think that's this was just sort of the summation of that part of her character. So mm-hmm. that's how I felt about her was just sort of like setting it up for. Um, I, I think they're going to be uh, at least frenemies. <laughs> <laughs>
4: What about you, Jess? What did you get from that panel? Yeah, I pretty much wrote down the same thing. Um, I think she's someone who is scared of something. She's ashamed, obviously, you know, she's ashamed of her home life. You could tell that from, from issue two when she, I mean, when she's knocking on her door. Mm. Um, again, spoiler alert, sorry people. Um, but you know, <laughs> but the thing is, is that she still lets her inside. She still lets yeah. her inside and she still gives her a glass of water. You know, so that to me right there says... This person's not really bad. She's ashamed of something. She's hiding something. There's something that you know. This is an exterior thing. This is what I was doing in high school by putting like weird stuff all over my face, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, uh, you know it, it's more a defense, and and maybe that that statement is more like if you don't help me, it's more someone that's out of desperation mm. than um, real malice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, now, Kelly, by all means, you can say no to this, but is there any chance of any <laughs> hints as to what the next arc of Sabrina the Teenage Witch could bring? Absolutely. So
1: there's definitely going to be more yeah. Radka and Ren, and dealing with the sort of when to go of it all, what that means. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's going to lead us... To more of the Witch Council stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which we sort of set up in that last issue, seeing some of those other characters, and particularly Della, who's from the comics and who, uh, from the original comics, and we've brought back in here. And we're also going to be seeing that all that magic that Sabrina did had a sort of price, mm-hmm. and her sort of dealing with that, it's going to be a lot more of Sabrina trying realizing that the balancing of those two parts of her life is very difficult, and particularly as it relates to her wanting to have this normal life with Harvey, or maybe this more supernatural life with Ren, Mm -hmm. is maybe that's more where she belongs, and that sort of push and pull, a little bit of that.
0: Awesome. Um, So other than Sabrina, um, obviously you recently announced that you're going to be doing a Deadpool ongoing, um, is there anything else that you're working on at the moment that you can you can kind of tell us about?
1: Sure. Well, I'm still working on Captain Marvel, of course, and we've got a
0: really exciting arc
1: that begins in November after this exciting arc closes up. <laughs> um, and it's sort of it's a little unlike any script I've written for Marvel before. It's definitely unlike any Captain Marvel issue I've ever seen before from me or anyone else. Mm. I think it's pretty exciting. It's a little weird. I hope people will like it. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then it just got announced at NYCC that I'm doing this star miniseries, which is going to explore this character that's sort of this Captain Marvel nemesis.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, there's a big reveal in issue that comes out on the 16th about her that sort of demands exploration of Ooh. what all of that means so that's sort of cool and then I've got so then Deadpool starts in November and I've got this will be starting early next year or maybe spring-ish I'm not sure what exactly the date is the new Sabrina I mean
2: Yeah.
1: and um, I've got another thing coming but it's too early to talk about
0: okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always it good when you've got lots coming um that's that's really good to hear and mm-hmm. I know that um I know that we've all been really enjoying the the Captain Marvel run um both oh, yeah. both on this show and also on our other main show mm-hmm. um so so that's really awesome um, one thing that Thanks I did want to ask we um we obviously first got in touch with you because we we did an episode about your book Story Killer Yeah um, <laughs> And
1: one question. I loved. I loved that episode, by the way. I don't oh, always geez. listen to stuff about oh. my stuff, but I listen to every word, and I really enjoyed it. It made me want to get back to work, which is the highest praise.
4: I'm serious. <laughs> I will help you with the kill. I will run. I do Oh excited. my god. I, <laughs> I, I got my, my brother you. into
3: reading Storykiller too. I'm all. Out. Yeah. yeah. I'm like you giving it to your. everybody.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Uh, would Would oh, you, would you ever go
0: back to that world? would
1: I'm dying to. I'm dying to. I just haven't been able to find the time. I mean, I've started writing Story Killer 2 and I also have, um, you know, part of the Kickstarter. God, this is so late now. I mean, I feel less guilty because it was like a free thing we added on as part of people's rewards, but it's now like four years late, so I feel really bad which is that people are supposed to get short stories set in that world. Mm. And they were going to have these, um, black and white illustrations by Kyla Vanderkluk. And, um, she's been doing them and they look amazing. And I think she just has three more to do because I hadn't sort of nailed down what the last three stories should be. Mm. Um, and so, but I'm now to a point where, I don't really want to release those stories until I know for sure I'm going to be able to finish the second book and like get it into people's hands. Mm. And so I'm just sort of in this tough spot. Um, But I will say that, you know, I lost this big opportunity last week for something that I really wanted to do, but that was also going to really mess up my life. Like it was going to make it very stressful and I was going to have to probably drop some things and whatever. And one of the first thoughts I had after I didn't get it was, Maybe now I've got some time to go back and finish Story Killer 2. So it's it's definitely something I want to do. I'm mm. desperate to do it. It's just it really takes a big switch um, that I didn't expect to switch from comics to novel to prose. Mm. Mm. Um, it's easier to switch to to writing a pilot, to writing a screenplay. Like, honestly, those aren't that bad. But the prose switch is really difficult. Mm. So it's been a struggle.
0: Yeah. What well, if you do ever get to write the book? You, you have already sold three copies. I can tell you that much. Yes. Yeah,
4: <laughs>
2: And, and probably so
0: more. Actually, You have to to other people. Yeah, like the prototype that will
4: buy one that sits on the shelf <laughs> that we don't touch and then one that we like destroy. So, <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm not going to lie. I so actually much. bought two copies of the first one. So,
1: yeah. Oh, it's really nice of you guys. I really appreciate it. It, it really your enthusiasm for it and like all the stuff stuff that you guys were seeing in it and like getting excited about it really. It really made me want to just get right back into it. So it was nice. Maybe uh, maybe when I feel I've got a little time, maybe I'll listen to your podcast again to try to reamp me up. <laughs>
4: absolutely
3: and if you ever want anybody to cheerlead for you or you know we (laughs) will cheerlead
1: right there yeah we got you (laughs) i will i will for sure let you guys know
0: we are more than happy to talk to you about the book again if you if you ever want to talk to it um i know we all really really enjoyed that conversation we had about it um and obviously we've spent quite a bit of time talking today about sabrina so I wanna say thank you very, very much for spending some time with us. Um, We always love it when creators are happy to give up some of their time to come and talk to us. I hope that you've enjoyed spending time chatting with us today. I hope that our listeners are enjoying it. I know that we've had quite a few tweets from people really, really excited about the fact that you're coming on to talk to us. Um, So that's absolutely awesome. Next month, we are going to be taking a dive into the movie Unicorn Store, which stars Brie Larson, who also directed the film, um, and Samuel L. Jackson. So, Kelly, if people want to find you and your work online, where can they find you?
1: Um, The easiest place to find me is Twitter. That's where I am the most, which is at 79 semifinalist. You can also find my Instagram if you're interested in looking at my cats, which is 1979 semifinalist. Mm -hmm. And my website, which is pretty updated and includes a link to a store, is 1979Semifinalist.com.
0: Which begs the question, where does the name 1979 semifinalist <laughs> come from? <laughs> so it comes from,
1: the, the, the easy answer is that it's uh, one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands, which is a band called The Bad Plus, and it's a jazz quintet. Um, Which is sort of weird But um, I'll send you guys a link The song is amazing Um, And the other Part of that is that I always sort of feel like a semi-finalist Even when I'm winning I'm not quite winning Like it's just how I feel In life like Mm-hmm. Just not like I'm not trying to complain. I'm just saying I don't ever feel like I won the gold. You know, I always feel like yeah, it's semi This is pretty good. You know, it's no, okay.
4: I think you're talking to yeah. the right crowd for that comment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we are we are
0: yeah. definitely the right kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Comment. We're always just a little like and we like we're all pretty good, but we just we're never quite quite never quite there.
4: Yeah, yeah I think we might over relatable, right? Yeah, yeah. Very relatable. relatable.
1: Uh, you know, not quite killing it, just doing well. it's yeah, yeah. good. Okay, yeah. good. I mean, from our perspective, you're killing it. Oh yeah. If oh, it yeah. <laughs> count. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it means a lot. It means a lot. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I uh, I had a great time. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I know the scheduling was a little crazy, but I appreciate you making the time for me.
0: Anytime, anytime, um. at all, if you ever want to come back and talk to us about anything else, literally anything yeah. else.
4: We'll, we'll,
0: talk about we'll just come on and
4: talk about Jeff the land Shark. We're good. Yeah. That's, yeah.
1: Oh my okay. god, can we please Got do it. that? Because damn. <laughs> he will be showing up in Deadpool, Woo! so make sure to check it out. Yes. So I, I legit, we, we
3: played Throw Throw Burrito this weekend and it was so much fun, but when I flipped over that one card and it
0: was a Land Shark, I was, oh my god, it's Jeff! <laughs> he's everywhere, man. I'm not sure Jeff slightly traumatized cosplayer um, in one of the ladies rooms <laughs> at New Comic Con this weekend by just both pointing at her at the t- same time and screaming Jeff um, she, was, she was slightly confused. She was about slightly, she was slightly confused and concerned. Yeah. But, but she, you know, she was a Gwenpool and she had a Jeff strapped to her back, and and we recognized him before. A handmade Jeff backpack, by the way. Yeah. Then she
4: shouldn't be confused. She's got
0: Jeff. I, that's exactly. What we said, but you know,
4: you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was that we were in the bathroom.
0: Yeah. I think screaming at her. I don't know. Was, I think it was the fact that we were in in the lady room, and she was just kind of minding her own business, and we didn't scream. <laughs> Point. Listen, but that's part of a ladies' room A, okay? Anywhere you go,
4: that's common knowledge that the person you could talk to the girl next to you. That is <laughs> everyone knows that, okay? That's number one. And two, this is the bathroom at Comic Con.
0: Yep. Right? You cosplay, people are gonna talk to you. I had
4: a girl dressed as Wonder Woman ask me if I wanted to go to a Harry Potter rave. Yes. <laughs> that is I love
1: Comic Con.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's um, madness. <laughs> yep. Um, Lady B where can all of your listeners find you? You can find me on all the things at Shiny shinybabybee. And Lady J, where can you be found? Oh, across the internet at, at Jarsica. Personally, I can be found anywhere that media is social under the name of Geek Country Lady. Um, thank you once more to our guest today, Kelly Thompson. We hope that you've enjoyed your time with us and we'll be back in your ears again soon.
1: It's amazing how much, um, you know, we talk all the time about sort of how do you separate creator from the work and like, and we always talk about it in the context of like, a negative thing, right? Like, oh, I, I love this work, but this person has turned out to be not as great as I thought. But there's also that really great thing when it's like, you're in love with Chris Evans because he's beautiful and he's Captain America and that's awesome. And then it also turns out he's like a really great person who wants to do good in the world and everything. And you're like, my faith is restored. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) these things do line up. Sometimes these things line up.